great to see so many of you here. We should have barbecues more often. <laughs> Shabbat's every week. <laughs> Three years ago, I had the chance to travel around Germany with the program Germany Close Up, a program that brings young adult American Jews to Germany funded by the German government. And this was, for me, a Jewishly transformative experience. I'm not the first to comment on the many ways the German government has done an extraordinary job confronting its past. The people of Germany have done an extraordinary job confronting their past. One example in particular stands out to me as I think about Ekev, this week's Torah portion. As you walk around Berlin, you literally stumble on these little things in the sidewalks called Stolpersteine, stumbling stones. It's a project initiated by German artist Gunter Demnig in 1992, and each little stone set in the cobblestone on the sidewalk lists a victim of the Nazis, and it's set right in front of the place that that person last lived before they were either murdered, deported, or fled from persecution. I was again in Europe last week, this time with my family on vacation. This was not really a trip about Jewish history, but more about me getting to spend quality time with my family as they live in Minnesota and we here in San Francisco. That being said, travel in Europe always has the backdrop of the Jewish story of that continent. We were in Amsterdam and Vienna, and while we did, not take, while we did take time to visit the Anne Frank House and the small Holocaust Memorial in the Judenplatz in Vienna, I found myself not really wanting to engage with Holocaust memory this trip. After all, we were on vacation, and I needed a break. And yet, while there, I again found myself moved by the power of memory, the power of community making a choice to preserve and uphold the past, including the very difficult parts of the past, so that a different future might be charted. Indeed, as I was walking down those ever so quaint cobblestone streets along the canals in Amsterdam, I could not help think of those Jewish feet that had walked down those cobblestones before me. This week's Torah portion, which is really one of Moses's major sermons, is in many ways all about the future. It promises us desert-wandering Jews a paradise as we stand on the precipice of entering the land of Israel. Your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and springs and fountains issuing from plain and hill, a land of wheat and barley, of vine and figs, a land of pomegranates and olive trees, a land of honey, a land where you will eat without stint, where you will lack nothing. And Moses goes on to describe a place where our community will prosper, a place that is beautifully and radically different from Egypt and from the desert that we have been wandering in. The life you dream of is possible, Moses declares. And then, with very little warning, the beautiful imagery of the good land is set aside and Moses brings us right back to the golden calf, don't forget, he warns, we came this close to the edge. We almost lost everything. Torah scholarship tends to describe the book of Deuteronomy, in which this week's portion falls, as a theodicy of reward and punishment, 
If you follow God's law, you'll be rewarded, and if you don't, you'll be punished. I personally happen to think that even for us progressive reform San Francisco Jews, that there is a little bit to be learned from this kind of thinking. Actions have consequences. What we do matters. We live in a web of relationships. But this Shabbat, I want to move away from the reward and punishment paradigm of this portion, not because I don't think it has value, but instead, I want to go back to Berlin, back to those stumbling stones. It seems to me that in a way, Moses places the story of the golden calf in the middle of this gorgeous and hopeful sermon so that we might stolpern, that we might stumble upon the memory of the past as we make our way to the future. It seems to me that the literary structure of this Torah portion asks us all to consider what is spiritually powerful about an encounter with a past truth, no matter how difficult that truth might be. What can we learn from what has now become the world's largest decentralized monument, spanning multiple European cities and nations, giving people pause, causing people to stumble, as we make our way through our lives? What can we learn from Moses placing a stumbling stone in the middle of his sermon, reminding us of a painful episode we might prefer to forget? What Stolpersteine do we need in our communal and individual lives today? For example, we currently have no national monument for slavery or for the destruction of indigenous communities in our country. How might stumbling stones like these help us to both heal from and avoid a return to a painful past? Do you know what tribe lived on your land before you? How might you live so that you might sometimes stumble upon this, allowing yourself to momentarily be set off balance, set off your path that you might live differently as a result? As we approach Elul, our time for sacred personal reflection and growth leading up to the high holy days, what might you need to stumble on from your past as you head towards your future? I don't think this is intended to be about living in a permanent state of pain or about not letting go of things we have done wrong. In fact, while in Vienna, we took time to visit the Sigmund Freud Museum and I was reminded of his wise theory about mourning and melancholia. Freud theorizes that when we consciously deal with grief, that this is called mourning. When grief instead is limited to the unconscious, we enter a state of melancholia, unable to process loss, or we could say more broadly, unable to deal with painful events in the past. Indeed, the entire notion of tshuva the process of returning to our highest selves is all about moving past the past. But with conscious attention and through learning and growing from where we have been. And what about this sacred congregation and this beautiful Jewish community that's so full tonight? Can Emmanuel be a stumbling block in our lives? Not a barrier, not an obstacle, but something to help us move away from the automatic and the unintentional? Can a synagogue, can a precious Jewish community help wake us up, remind us as we walk along our way all too often without thought about what really matters, about what is really important, about what we really care about?
Can our Torah, our tradition, and our culture give us a glimpse of an ancient past that might help us build a brighter future here together in our foggy city on the bay? Will you let this place, this tradition, these beautiful people, look around, look around you. Can you let these beautiful people around you get in your way, interrupt you, remind you, recenter you, stumble you? The Torah promises in Eretz Tovah a good land, a land flowing with the abundance of our dreams, a land in which the heavens pour down on us nourishing rains of promise and possibility. And yet, Moses seems to indicate that the path to that place is not away from the past, but deeply bound up with it. Perhaps not every day, perhaps not at every moment, but sometimes, when the cobblestone leads us there, we have to stumble off our paths and remember what has been as part of our project of creating what will be. Shabbat Shalom. We come to the concluding prayers of our service. We rise as we turn to page 586 for Elena.